the Santon Time Studios in Africa's richest square mile. This is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander. Pull up a chair, take a seat. It's you and me and the next hour. And if you're listening to this for the first time, well, let me tell you, I'm not. <laughs> I'm doing this for the second and third time. And uh, that's a long story on its own. <laughs> Thanks to Load Shedding and ESCOM, it uh, wiped most of our files this week. So we've had to re-record this podcast more than once. So special shout out to ESCOM and Load Shedding. Thank you so much for creating all that extra work. It's much appreciated. This is the Santon Times Podcast, episode 44, week 10. Uh, it's uh, March 2021. And as always, you can get in touch with us at editor at santontimes.co.za. You can connect with us on social media at Santon Times on whatever social media platform you prefer. And uh, the website's still under construction. It's still getting a nip and tuck and a bit of a facelift, but it's going to be worth it. But you can check it out at www.santontimes.co.za. As always, I encourage you to subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating for this podcast. It's hugely appreciated, and it makes such a difference to the Santon Nation. Our little community, you, you who's listening, I don't know where you are right now. Uh, I'm going through my... uh, (laughs) third version of this podcast episode this week. My goodness, it feels like an eternity. But wherever you are listening to this podcast, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're in the bath, maybe you're, I don't know, like about to fall asleep, just woken up. Where have, I don't know, where do you listen to this podcast? I'd love to know. Drop me a line, uh, send me a, a tweet or an Instagram DM or, you know, just an email. would love to hear from you where you're listening to this podcast from. As always, I'd like to welcome all our listeners in Santon and beyond, especially those from all over the world who tune in. Uh, We had some people listening from Zambia, the United States, Canada, France, Ireland, the UAE, and the UK this past week. And I'm happy to report all is well in Santon land. You're all part of the Santon nation. And uh, got some feedback from quite a few people again this week. And uh, one I got from Andre. Andre messaged me and he said, um, love the interview with Miss uh, Universe South Africa last week. And uh, if they still struggle to find a venue by the time this event needs to take place, well, my house is open and you can relocate everyone here and I'll host it. So thank you very much, Andre. That's uh, very kind of you. And it's very kind of you to send some feedback. And as always, I welcome everyone's feedback. So coming up on the show this week, Diageo has launched a new 200 million rand campaign to try and resuscitate bars, taverns, and venues that have taken strain as a result of lockdown. We chat to Diageo South Africa's marketing director for more. Then load shedding, as I've just mentioned, is back, but so are increased electricity prices on the horizon. And it might be a good time to consider gas as an alternative. And we chat to the managing director of Egoli Gas for more. It's results season in the property space and with much of Santon's office space is standing empty. We thought uh, we'd chat to those with a significant stake in that market. And uh, stay listening for our interview with the CEO of Redefine Properties. Then uh, if you're a regular Santon visitor, you might have noticed that the landmark RMB Lion and Key has disappeared. What happened to it? Well... We'll find out in the next hour. And uh, talking about Lions, if you haven't been hooked to Emnet's latest series, Lioness, well, we'll give you a reason why you should be as we chat to the female lead. All this and more, but first, let's check out the news for this week. Super homes for sale. Well, between 30 and 50% of high net worth individuals globally are planning to buy at least one additional luxury property within the next 12 months, compared to just 20% a year ago, according to the latest research conducted by Luxury Portfolio International and leading 
real estate companies of the world. Good times uh, if you're a high net worth individual. Business Tech spoke to Rory O'Hagan, who's head of the luxury portfolio division of the Chaz Everett International Property Group. Quote, he says, in Johannesburg, for example, we recently sold a super luxury home in Sandhurst in Johannesburg for 35 million after the price was lowered from 45 million and another home in Westcliff, where the price was lowered in January to 19.75 million from 28 million previously. In the past few months, we have also sold a large number of discounted luxury apartments in Rosebank and Santon to high net worth individuals who were withdrawing their funds from equity markets. And in exclusive Hyde Park, we recently sold out the units in a brand new upmarket cluster developed because they were marked down to 50% of the original asking price. He carries on. Now we are anticipating a similar result in the case of the ultra-luxury Gatsby Mansion on Houghton Ridge, which recently became available for sale at a whopping 64.8 million, which is about 45% less than its original asking price two years ago. So there you go. If you're in the market for some uh, multi-million rand mansions and houses, now's the time to grab. Everything's on sale. Load shedding is back. Have I mentioned that? I think I have. ESCOM has announced stage two load shedding from uh, this past Wednesday, and this may continue over the weekend. Bless their cotton socks. This load shedding is attributed to continued poor performance at uh, the Kusila, Duva, and Tutuka power stations, and may I add also the ESCOM boardroom, as well as delays in returning some other units to service and continued breakdowns over the past week. What a golden company ESCOM is. You can now buy shares on the JSE with your trash. This is pretty cool. I mean, this is something that's worth checking out. So we spoke to the founder of Imagined Earth uh, a couple of episodes ago. And if you haven't heard it, you should go back in the archives, check it out. What they'd done is they'd set up these really cool recycling stations. There's one in Santon City and the other one I think is at Nickelway, uh, Pick and Pay. But basically you can take your trash there, cans, bottles, you know, sort of the usual stuff that you would normally throw in the dustbin. And you pop it into this machine. It's got like a laser scanner. It kind of sucks it into this tube. It scans it and then it literally evaluates, you know, which one it's going to take and which one it doesn't. And uh, they've gotten better and better. Initially, it didn't accept all too much and now it's accepting more and more. But they basically give you a few cents for each of these items, which you would have probably thrown in the trash. And now you can get that money into your mobile app, your Imagined Earth mobile app. And up until this point, they've sent you some airtime or you got some sort of small reward for whatever it is that you were recycling. But now what they've done is they've teamed up with Easy Equities, which is really exciting. So you can link your Easy Equities account to the Imagined Earth app and whatever money you generate through your recycling, you can now use on Easy Equities and you can actually buy stocks on the JSE, actual shares in companies. Might not be much in the beginning, but I mean, if you've got kids about to leave school, they want to get a bit of a feel for how to invest and you don't want to throw thousands at it. Here's something, you know, they can make maybe 20, 50, 100 bucks off their recycling and they can now start buying penny stocks or maybe sort of entry level, you know, shares on the JSE. But this is really a great thing. And uh, if you're a bit lost right now, and you're not quite sure what I'll do is I'll put all the details in the show notes. But this is worth checking out. So get some cash for your trash. And then we've had some lotto winners again. This is always an interesting story. A 30-year-old Limpopo man who won the 51 million rand Powerball jackpot will pursue his dreams of becoming a social worker, reports IOL. He had purchased his ticket for 30 rand from an OK mini market in Polokwane using a ticket, wager, and a manual selection method. And he got 51 million back. Not bad at all. Then last week, a Durban woman won the lotto twice. 
making her 28 million rand richer. So the woman who's in her 40s first won more than 100,000 rand, followed by 28 million rand four weeks later. Who says lightning doesn't strike twice? Well, maybe these guys should get in touch with the uh, uh, chaps at, uh, which one was it? Rory. Yes, Rory at uh, Chaz Everett. Maybe they can sell them one of those uh, funky mansions at a good price because, geez, these guys have really cashed in. But can you believe it? Winning the lottery twice in a row within a month. Amazing. From Santin to the world, this is the Santin Times Podcast. So many industries were surprised, I think, as many of us were when the president announced that we're going down to level one. I think some of us were halfway through a reality TV show or ready to go to bed or still having dinner. And suddenly we heard that the president uh, announced we'd gone down to level one. Initially, I thought it was some sort of uh, thing that happens on Twitter where someone says something and then it goes viral. But it's true. And so many industries suddenly had to rook themselves back into into gear, much like they did when we went uh, up a level, uh, as that also often happens and uh, often immediate. And one industry I think that's been most affected by all this lockdown going up or going down is the uh, liquor industry. There's a new campaign that's kicking off now in March. It's called Hashtag We Choose. And I'm uh, thrilled to be joined by Siswe Wundler. She's the marketing director for Diageo South Africa. So Siswe, let's talk about this Hashtag We Choose. Uh, it's, uh, it's got a little bit of a byline to it. So it's Hashtag We Choose to Trade Responsibly and Hashtag We Choose to Drink Responsibly. Responsibly. What's the, the thinking behind this campaign? That's it. Just stepping back a bit, the, you would know that, I mean, you alluded to it when you, you started off by saying, I think one of the hardest hit industries during all of this was alcohol. So if you look at the alcohol industry, almost a million jobs across the entire industry and a lot of businesses affected, especially the on-trade premises affected a lot. And by on-trade premises, I mean bars, restaurants and taverns, right? So what the We Choose um, campaign is about is about enabling these establishments to to start business again responsibly so enabling them to trade responsibly what we're doing is we're injecting stock so giving them stock a lot of these companies obviously establishments obviously during this time were shut down wouldn't have enough money to even buy the stock so there's this stock injection we help them with marketing support we give them bar bar training as well just to allow them to start up again and obviously employ the thousands of people who lost their jobs and just jumpstart the industry again, which is so important. And is this across the board? So is this from your sort of local tavern right up to maybe one of your five-star hotels or more more premium venues as well? Or is this sort of a very specific part of the, the liquor trade? Oh, no, no, no. It's across the board. So everyone was affected, right? So it was everyone, it was across the board, everyone from your taverns and your mainstream to your more posh outlets, if you want to call it that. So um, in this first um, wave of our support, we were supporting establishments in Cape Town, Joburg and Durban. This is just the first phase. We do see it extending. And what we did, you know, during the whole lockdown, we were engaging with these outlets. We saw the, the outlets that were suffering. And those are the ones we've engaged with to help them with the stock replenishments and all of that. Well, I mean, the drink responsibly line we've we've had going for quite some time. I think it's also been a bit of a self-regulatory thing by the industry to make sure that you have consumers that consume your goods as best possible. And uh, there's very little responsibility you can take for your consumers. This uh, byline of trading responsibly, I'm assuming, plays into the stories of people serving uh, red and white wine and tea cups and uh, sort of backdoor sales going on during lockdown. Is that kind of uh, the, the general gist of that trade responsibly? 
Yeah, I, and I think it's broader than that. I think what I will say as well is that we, we very much support the government. So when the government, you know, puts these these restrictions on place, we feel that everyone needs to adhere to them. So I think that's the first thing I would say, right? And then in terms of trading responsibly, it's again about ensuring that one, if I think about the context of COVID, right, how do we ensure that when, when you have people in your outlet, it's not crowded, you're, you're following COVID protocols, whether it's sanitizer, whether it's, you know, um, making sure people are socially distanced. And then in terms of um, actual consumption, making sure that making them realize, making the trader realize that um, if People, if you trade responsibly, we're going to get back into the same situation we were in in December. So it actually helps no one, right? So it's important that they're playing their role in ensuring that they do the right thing in terms of um, complying to, to, to regulations when it comes to trading. It's super important. I mean, as the marketing director of, of Diageo, the, the biggest spirits uh, brand owner in the world, I mean, you've got some remarkable brands in there, Johnny Walker and some iconic uh, adverts that have gone with it. I mean, it's one of those jobs that you would just sort of sink your teeth into if you're in marketing or branding and you get to do such cool adverts, activations. Now, I'm guessing the last year hasn't been much about that. And, and how is that going to change now going forward for you? I mean, at what point do you get to, you know, put two well-known actors on a ship in the middle of the Mediterranean? Mediterranean and have a gentleman's uh, wager on uh, on a Johnny Walker Blue label. So okay, so firstly, yes, um, I'm incredibly privileged to work on the brands that I do. I, I I I don't think it gets better than working on brands like Johnny Walker, Tankery, Smirnoff. So I totally with you on that. Amazing brands. In terms of how marketing, how I'll see marketing has changed. I think you know at the heart of it. Um, um, the consumer comes first. So engaging with the consumer in a way that that resonates with them is super important. We will continue to do that. I think it's the how that maybe is tweaked slightly um, just because the context of what we're dealing with has changed. Um, you referenced um, the two gentlemen making a wager in the middle of the ocean. You know, uh, that's an interesting example you use because in my mind, when I think of Johnny Walker, I actually think about two women enjoying um, enjoying a Johnny Walker, right? So it's that it's just that sort of context. Like, so those, those are the things that as a marketer, I need to be cognizant of just to make sure that my marketing remains relevant. Um, and, um, and and is really tapping into the now and maybe actually the future, right? Because I think that's actually what's so fun about it. So that's the that's the one part. But at the same time, I take um, very, I, I don't take lightly the fact that I, um, I I need to ensure that my consumers are are enjoying my drink responsibly. So um, that that's always something at the top of my mind. So yes, I'm going to create, make sure that people love my brands, people want to engage in my brands, but I want them to do it responsibly. And that's, it's always been top of mind, but I think just based on where we are now as a country, as a world, it's heightened. So, and I know even within my team, every, you know, we're, we're so hypersensitive about the role we play in ensuring that, you know, we don't have underage drinking, people are not drinking and driving there's so much you know um so that's also top of mind so it's a nice it's a nice balance well, I will take your uh, comment and uh, any lady who has taken offense to my two gentlemen sitting in the Mediterranean on a boat having a wager are more than welcome to join me for a wee dram uh, of whiskey uh, at their earliest convenience. Uh, socially distanced. You know, I've, I've got a good whiskey collection, so they're more than welcome to join me for a swig. 
on that I note, <laughs> on that note, it'd be interesting to hear how long is this campaign going to run for? Is this sort of for the rest of the year, this uh, hashtag we choose, or is this for a, a burst of time? Because I mean, there's also talk of a potential third wave coming around, which might come with its yeah. its uh, new sets yeah. of restrictions yeah. again. So no, no, it's not a burst. So I think this it's it's for the foreseeable future. Because to your point, COVID is not going anywhere. I think the impact. Um, are going to be with us for a while. If you if you think about how hard hit this industry was, it's not something we can fix in three months, six months even, right? So I think what's important to understand is that this needs to become the norm. Trading responsibly needs to become the norm. Consuming responsibly needs to become the norm. So in my mind, this is this is ongoing. As I said, even when I spoke about the phasing and the fact that we're in three cities now, there's an opportunity for ge- geographical expansion as well, right? So definitely not a burst and something we're totally invested in. We've already put about 200 million rand in this and, that, and that's just the beginning. Would you say that this 200 million rand is now replacing your more traditional marketing and advertising that you would normally be doing? Or is this over and above the usual campaigns that you would be running as as the different brands would? It's a mix of both. I think on... On, on one part, um, we need to ensure that our ongoing brand activities factor this in more than they have been, right? So as I said, you know, you mentioned it as well, the self-regulation and all, but I think there's an element that we can dial up and we've definitely done that. On top of that, just because of the special circumstances that um, the lockdown brought and the fact that we actually have to, you know, uplift these establishments out of this situation, there's definitely a huge investment, uh, in- incremental investment that we put in place for on-trade establishments that wasn't in place a year ago and that's going to continue this this huge incremental spend specifically in the on-trade well since we're Wundler marketing director of Diageo South Africa thank you so much for joining me for this conversation and uh, I wish you all the best with this campaign strength you and the industry as you uh, sit through another yeah. year of, of uncertainty and, and the unknown hopefully sooner rather than later we will be back to what we know I think everyone enjoys uh, like I say a, a whiskey or a cocktail at their favorite spot responsibly yeah I, I think it's a, it'll be a very welcome day when that day arrives so thank you so much thank you so much for having me I appreciate it Connect with the Santon Times. Email editor at santontimes.co.za. So it's probably been on a lot of people's minds as we deal with uh, winter around the corner and uh, we've had a lot of load shedding, another week of load shedding uh, coming our way. What do we do as alternatives? Like how do we cook? How do we keep the lights on? How do we just keep life going on as we struggle with the cold and as we struggle with uh, the lack of power? And uh, one of those uh, options is gas. And uh, I know it's one of those things that a lot of people are looking at. I mean, it's really swanky to have a nice gas stove in your kitchen. I mean, I love cooking on gas. It it just gives the food a different kind of flavor. But it is a really, really great solution when you're looking at uh, something different when when you need to cook, when you need to keep things going. And I'm thrilled to have uh, Vishal Puran. Uh, He's the managing director of Egoli Gas on the line. Uh, Vishal, business must be good right now. Yes, absolutely. And it's, uh, it's really booming. Even in the times of COVID, you would have thought uh, things would be slowing down and we'd be struggling to get up to speed. But uh, gas is really, really flowing and, and doing well. I love the pun on the on the flowing of gas. Uh, <laughs> I see you guys have got a really strong presence in the Santon area. And for someone who's had absolutely no insight into gas, who doesn't really understand all the intricacies of uh, how gas works, tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, you know, where where does it go? How does it flow to where it needs to go? Where can I find it in Santon? 
Yeah, so um, interesting story about gas. So it, it started way back in 1892 already when um, the city was powering the streetlights in, in Johannesburg and uh, they had uh, uh, President Street Gas Works that, that used to use coal, basically gasified coal and, and produce a, uh, a type of methane out of that. Um, and those were, were basically the, the streetlights that were being powered by, by gas from that time already. So our premises has uh, has had gas since 1928 when, when the retort house was built here at Cottes Low. And then around about 1964, we started to switch over to um, hydrogen-rich gas or Towns gas, uh, which was supplied by Sassel from the factory in Sasselberg, um, which is a byproduct of the, the coal gasification process. Fast forward a bit then to 2004, there was a big find of natural gas in Mozambique, um, which Cecil basically explored and, and started to extract from the ground. And that's the gas we sit with today. So that's been uh, flowing through the pipes from Mozambique, about 520 kilometers from Maputo, basically up in Timani. Uh, that crosses the border very close to Komati port. There's a, there's a compressor station there that compresses the gas, brings it through to Secunda, and from Secunda, the gas is conditioned. There's a, um, a smelling agent that, that's put in it that makes it smell like rotten eggs. Yeah, and then it's pushed through to the network. Um, and through the city of Johannesburg, we have a reticulation network of about 1,300 kilometers of pipe that lies under the city's pavements, basically. So that's how it gets to various parts of Johannesburg. So if I want to access this, if I've got a house in, uh, in Santon or in Greater Santon, what happens there? I mean, do you sort of uh, tap into those pipes underground and then just sort of run a, a pipe into my kitchen or, or how else does it work? Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, obviously, we take uh, safety at the heart of everything we do. So tapping into the gas line is, is quite an involved process. It needs to be what we call stoppled. Um, and stoppling means you, you do a a hot tap. A hot tap is a, is a hot drill into the line in a safe manner so that it doesn't release any gas into the atmosphere. Um, so we stop the gas, we do a service connection to your property, basically to the boundary. Uh, we put a meter up and then you need to get a qualified gas installer uh, independent of us to then pipe that gas from the boundary through to your appliances inside the house. Okay, well, that sounds not too complicated. I mean, I think, you know, if you've got all the right people in place, that should be something that could be done uh, quite easily. Uh, one of the things that does come up quite often with people when you talk about gas is that people are always scared of gas. Like, it's one of those things that people are mm. still trying to get their head around. They're still worried about, mm, you know, should I have a gas stove? I don't want to sort of, you know, uh, you know, leave it on by mistake and, and blow up the kitchen. Uh, what kind of safety measures and, and how safe is gas? So, I mean, like with any other energy source, you've got to treat it with respect. Um, you know, if you stick your finger into an electricity socket, obviously you're going to hurt yourself. So it's, it's a similar thing with gas. So as long as you, you respect the energy source you're using, uh, it, it's safe as houses, as they say. The, the appliances, the modern appliances you get nowadays have got various safety devices on them. So if it's if it's not lit, uh, basically, if you don't ignite the gas, there is a shutoff. So basically, there is a cutoff on most modern appliances that shuts off the gas if, if it senses that there's a concentration of gas over a certain limit. Um, so really, really safe as far as that's concerned in a house. 
as far as our installation goes from the street to the, the meter, there are shut-off valves on the street as well as a shut-off valve just after the meter. So if there's any problem downstream of that, we're able to then um, close that valve and, and uh, fix the issue. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, there's obviously a, a big uptake now probably as well with, with load shedding. And I see you've got a variety of different products that you brought out. I think on, on, your, on your website, I think I even spotted a, a generator that runs on gas, uh, if I That's saw that correctly. Correct, yes. uh, tell us a little bit more about that. So those are small-scale uh, backup generators, very similar to a, a diesel generator that you'd have at, at your house or at a, at a place of work. Um, so it just replaces the fuel that you would have been using, diesel or, or LPG or something like that, um, and it's piped gas into a generator and basically produces electricity from there. And is it as noisy as a diesel generator? Because I know that's one of the other things is that people complain about these things kind of <laughs> gunning away, uh, or is it a little bit quieter? It's a lot quieter. Really? Um, so it, it doesn't have the same kind of uh, compression engine that a, that a diesel generator has. So it's, it's much, much quieter than a, than a diesel generator, for sure. So, so what else can you run on gas at home? I mean, I suppose the, the stove and the oven is one of those obvious things, I suppose, that have always been number one. Uh, is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can, you can run a water heater, so geezer, um, very, very efficient. So that's water, basically instant water, uh, hot water on tap. Um, and it, it doesn't need any storage. So it's not like a traditional geezer where you have a storage and a, and a thermostat and, and a heating, heating element in it that um, has to work then constantly to keep the water warm. Um, there's a, in, a, in a gas water heater, there's basically a series of tubes in it that heats up on demand. So basically as you need it, um, the gas flame then um, shoots up and it heats the ga- heats the water, and you have instant hot water. So no waiting for you know the pipes, the, the water in the pipes to basically release itself before you get the hot water. So it's it's really really efficient. Um, yeah, and there's a variety of appliances. I mean, you you can even get things like stoves and uh, and uh, fridges and those kind of things. Not available in this country. Fridges, unfortunately, you, you have to import those from overseas. Um, but stoves definitely, gas generators, uh, hobs, uh, space heatings or fireplaces. Um, there's, there's a lot of things you can. So basically anything that can heat up basically can run on gas. Well, I mean, it's, it's good to know. And I think for the well-heeled, I mean, even importing a, a gas fridge would probably not even be uh, too too far flung. So uh, I know a lot of people are trying to get off the grid. They're trying to be sort of more independent. And I know electricity prices are also sort of set to rise uh, as we as we go through the year. So it'd be quite interesting to hear how gas measures up with electricity from a price point of view. Is it is it significantly cheaper? Um, yes, it is. So for anything that heats up, it is significantly cheaper because it's it's a lot more efficient in heating up uh, water, for instance, or heating up um, your stove for cooking. I wouldn't recommend it for for things like uh, lights and and uh, you know um, fridges and stuff just yet. Um, that that might be a little bit uh, too much too soon, <laughs> if I can put it that way. Uh, but definitely for stoves, for space heating. Um, for water heating, definitely a lot more efficient and a lot more cost-effective than electricity is. Well, I mean, you were mentioning this uh, technology has been around since 1800 and something, and, uh, you know, it's, I suppose, a bit difficult to reinvent the wheel, but have you got any new developments or any new technology that's coming to the market in 2021 from Egoli Gas? So on our operations side, we are looking at, at a lot of new technologies, um, but on the appliance side, there's there's a lot of, 
other suppliers that are bringing in equipment. Um, so we're looking at a lot of different technologies, trying to make um, the appliances more efficient. Yeah, but we, you have to speak to those uh, gas installers to get that kind of information from them. So there's various on our website. You can, you can link to various uh, approved and, and recommended suppliers from our side, and they can give you a lot better advice than I can on, on what appliances are going to be coming into the market. Well, definitely some good advice uh, and uh, a little bit more insight into how gas works. And uh, now that you know that gas is available in Greater Santon, I think that also makes it a hell of a lot easier. I think gone are the days of having to schlep uh, big, uh, I don't know, what do you call them, barrels or uh, canisters of gas around. And then when it's finished, you have to now get into your slippers and try and find another one. So, you know, you can tap into it directly and we'll put all the details into the show notes as well. If you're interested in getting some more information from Egoli Gas and, and what other options there are, if you want to gasify your house, uh, ahead of winter or uh, as 2021 rolls on. Uh, Vishal Puran, he's the Managing Director of Egoli Gas. Thank you so much for joining us for this interview. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it and really fun speaking to you guys. From Santin to the world, this is the Santin Times Podcast. So if you've driven around Santon of late, you would have noticed that there's fewer cars on the road. I mean, yeah, COVID-19 has uh, really struck sort of the office space quite a bit. And we've been talking about uh, retail space. We've been talking about commercial space quite a bit in terms of what's going to happen to all the office space that's available in Santon. I mean, there were some fantastic developments in the build-up to 2019-2020. We've seen the most remarkable buildings going up in Santon. And suddenly all of that just came to a grinding halt when people started working from home. And... We're having this conversation about are we ever going to get back to normality where people go back to an office where we see people walking around the streets with their you know their latte in hand going for a quick lunch across the road connecting with their work colleagues in open plan offices well redefine properties one of the key stakeholders in santon's uh, commercial property landscape uh, re- released their results earlier this uh, this month and i'm thrilled to be joined by uh, ceo of redefine properties andrew koenig uh, andrew thank you so much for joining us uh, for this conversation uh, andrew has anyone asked you during all this time how you're feeling how you've managed to get through the last 12 months? Not really. Um, good morning and, and good to be on your show. You know, our focus has been so fixated on our business that we've put our, our personal situations aside. But I must tell you that um, the whole COVID experience has, has changed my life in particular quite significantly in that I'm a creature of habit. And I must be honest with you, I still firmly believe that there's no substitute for coming to the office, dressing and up for to be the part, to, to be uh, in the seat, so to speak, and to engage and, and, and to mingle with the staff. There's, there's no substitute for that. So, so I think from that perspective, the realization for me is that officers do have a future. Well, you had a, a series of announcements that you made during your results. I mean, probably not the easiest results you've ever had to present in your life, I guess, against the backdrop of a global pandemic. But one of the key announcements was that you're moving Redefine's offices from Rosebank to the center of Santon, 155 West Street. Uh, that's the old Discovery Building, if my memory serves me correctly. WeWork is also in there. CNBC Africa and Forbes Africa also in there. Uh, what was uh, the decision to make that move? Principally, it's an economic decision. Um, we are switching our office space here in Rosebank, which is premium grade, to A-grade space. So, so naturally, the, the differential in rentals, if I can just illustrate that, at one, 155 West Street, the gross rentals are around 115 rand a square meter. 
And here in Rosebank, it's about 275 rand a square meter. Rosebank at the moment, as you know, is a, is a node that is in high demand. And by switching to 155 West Street, we are able to let out our existing space to a tenant for a far greater rental than what we would be you know, occupying space for in Santon. So it's, so it's an economic decision. We will be saving roughly 20 million rand a year as a consequence of that move. Well, we welcome you back to the heart of Santon in advance. Uh, good to have you uh, in the neighborhood. And uh, interesting to hear from you. Do you think that Santon's golden age is sort of coming to an end or is it just a bit of a, a break in transmission now? I mean, at one point we were steaming along, uh, you know, you couldn't keep up with all the high rises and bigger buildings coming up. And then, as I say, it just slowed down eventually. And now the question is, will it ever get back to that point? I think Santon is going to uh, transform its role in, in, in the whole office space. It will always be the node of, of choice and of significance in the country. And I, I think it will hold onto that position. As a consequence of vacancy creeping up, particularly in the B grades, even C grade spaces, I think we're gonna see a lot of that space, which previously was uneconomical to convert to say residential, coming back to the four now, and what you're going to see is Santon living up to that whole area that it's known for, or note that it's known for being conducive to work-life integration as a consequence of the ability to have high-density residential as well as high-density zoning for, for office usage. So you're going to get the best of both worlds in Santon. I, I think Santon's just going to shift up a few gears and, and, and we're going to see a, a, kind of a transformation, a bit of a different focus. It won't just be office only. There will be a mix between office as well as residential. So often we hear this conversation about how things are going to change, how the world is going to be different after all of this. And some of those developments include sort of shared office spaces, which already was a bit of a trend before all of this uh, pandemic. But then also this conversation around adding uh, sort of add value uh, elements to the landlord's offering, be it creches, be it uh, primary schools or, you know, other things that people need, a laundromat. Um, is that sort of a big trend that you see redefined uh, sort of going into in terms of making those premium office space is even more premium and more attractive where people say, look, you know what, like home's great, but uh, going to the office sounds like an even better idea. I think there will, there, there's a need for work-life integration. That, that trend was pre-COVID. I think COVID has simply just accelerated the progress towards realizing the, the, the direction we were all trending towards. Absolutely. I think from a, from a balance point of view, uh, flexible working policies certainly are going to play a big role in office usage going forward. But similarly, the office will feature as well in terms of coming to work to you know, align yourself to the company's purpose, living up to the cultural values of the company, and simply just being with people of similar inclination so that you can actually progress your own thinking and, and, and develop as a person. Work-life integration certainly requires all those, let's call it convenience amenities that you spoke of earlier, to be part of the offering to ensure that our properties remain relevant to our users' needs. Where are the demands coming from from your tenants when it, uh, you know, when the conversation happens with uh, you as the landlord? What are they asking for right now? Right now, people are asking for flexibility. And it's something that we certainly are open to. You know, you can't be rigid in your thinking when it comes to leasing going forward. One has to give and take. 
And we've always been open to that, but I think more so now, given the need to ensure that our tenants remain comfortable in their space and also comfortable in the fact that they're not held to ransom as a consequence of a lease covenant. So flexibility is primary the issue at the moment. I think, you know, there has been a bit of a knee-jerk reaction in terms of people opting to stay away from work as, um, as it is important to do so whilst the pandemic is still on. But we need to look through the cycle. This, this pandemic will pass and then we will return to some degree of normality. As I said, flexible, you know, working will probably be the norm going forward. So what's your outlook and uh, your sort of predictions or plans for 2021 uh, as someone who's running, you know, one of the bigger property companies in South Africa? Our plans are to look through the cycle, to, to, to plan for the eventual return to normality. Uh, we all hoping and we believe that the uh, vaccine rollout will, will proceed and will be implemented certainly by uh, this time next year, we hope. And, and, and that is what we're planning for. We, we are not developing new space. What we are doing is we're optimizing the space we have to ensure that it remains relevant to our users' needs in all aspects. Well, Andrew Koenig, uh, CEO of Redefine Properties, I uh, thank you for taking the time to chat to us today. And we wish you all the best with your move and look forward to uh, seeing you pop up uh, in Santon uh, with your new office space at 155 West Street. And uh, all the best for the year ahead. May it be a profitable one. Thank you. And all the best to you as well. You're listening to the Santon Times Podcast. All right, for those of you who come into Santon quite regularly, which uh, has been a little bit of a <laughs> a bit of a slow uh, start to the year, I know people are gradually making their way back to the offices, but I'm sure there's still a lot of people who kind of pop in and out of Santon, and uh, you'll know this iconic corner. It's right opposite uh, the Maslow Hotel. It's the corner of Fredman Drive and Ravonia uh, Road, and uh, it's where Ram Merchant Bank has its uh, premises, and there's a fountain on the corner, and there used to be this lion that used to hold up a key, and uh, on special occasions, the lion would uh, dress up and uh, would have some real personality. And the other day I was driving past there and I realized that the lion is gone. Like the key's gone, the lion's gone, uh, the fountain's still there. Uh, there's still some very clever uh, wording and communication on that building. But there's a new line that's on the corner. And I thought, well, we need to find out a little bit more about this. Uh, and joining me on the right line right now is Lucy Lightfoot. She's the head of brand at Merchant Bank, RMB. Uh, Lucy, thank you so much for joining us for this interview. And uh, tell us a little bit more about this uh, change in the line on the corner of Fredman and Ravonia Road? Towards the end of last year, we um, we went through a brand refresh for r It's a process we've been working on for, for quite some time now. The, the refresh is really about an investment in our brand. It's about, I think it symbolizes the confidence we have in our business, setting the brand up for, for future success. So it, yeah, as I said, it was a process we, we started last year and it, it, it really is about modernizing the brand, making sure it's contemporary for the future and reflecting our business strategy. So you know, I think historically the brand, you know, was designed for R&B when we were a niche investment bank um, operating within within the South African context. As the, the business landscape has changed, brand needs to evolve too. So, you know, now that we are a fully fledged corporate and investment bank operating across Africa, we really felt uh, we needed to set the brand up for up for that success and and to grow the brand across Africa. So, I think also with the you know with the changing landscape and the digital environment, you know our brand no longer operates in in traditional spaces, and um, we've really had to think about how we 
We ensure the brand is right for a digital first world. So simplifying our identity has been key for us in this process. Yeah, and I think it's it's really been about an, a refresh um, and an evolution rather than a, than a revolution. So, you know, what we've done is retain many of the aspects of the brand. So we've kind of zoomed in on the lion's head. We've modernized the word mark for RMB. So when you look at it, there's still, um, you know, there's still aspects of it that really look like like RMB, but it's simplified for, as I said, for a di- for a digital first world. We've also introduced orange um, into the color for RMB. That is also there to to reflect, you know, the joy of Africa, uh, the vibrancy. What we've seen is, you know, blues are quite overtraded in in the financial services space. So for us, you know, we want wanted to be distinct and we really wanted to capture that that essence of Africa within the brand. Well, it's an interesting move. I mean, especially the orange, I think, is quite an interesting uh, call uh, because traditionally financial services brands, it's always been very much built on sort of trust and sort of established icons like keys and lions and dragons and and sort of, you know, things that kind of give you a sense of continuity and uh, stability and sort of trust because it is quite a serious business, the financial services space. And uh, are you finding that you're having to put quite a bit of investment into this new identity now? I mean, apart from the the obvious things like changing signage and and uh, you know a dozen people's credit cards and uh, the sort of usual stationery uh, now having to re-establish that brand or sort of reinforce that brand not just with clients but with potential future clients so you know i think like all businesses invest in people technology and infrastructure i think it it is about investing in the brand for future success and i mean you know we're not a big retail brand so we haven't had to make you know we don't have big branches and a big footprint all over continent so for us it's something we want to do in a very kind of responsible and and measured way so you know it has been rolled out in a in a phased approach so you will see it rolling out over a number of months starting from from last year uh, and through this year. It's also quite a commitment to have to sort of relinquish these brands that you've built over such a long period of time. I mean, the the line with the key became such a sort of an iconic brand. And you also gave it a lot of personality by dressing it up, as I say, at the corner of Fredman and Ravonia. And uh, that was always just something that brought a smile to my face. And I remember it's Christmas time, uh, you'd always see this... uh, icon being dressed up. I guess this new brand will kind of lose a bit of that character or are you planning some sort of other sort of way of bringing back that sort of personality to the brand? So I think personality and, you know, there are many building blocks to making up a brand. And I think our personality really remains. Um, you know, I think there's always been a, a sense of fun and playfulness with, with our, within R&B. And we still really um, want to capture that within the brand. So, you know, while we take what we do seriously, we don't always take ourselves too seriously. Um, and that really is something that, you know, um, has been a differentiator for R&B and is something we we want to retain in our brand. So, you know, our brand really is is rooted in purpose. I think some of the these building blocks um, as I've said, we'll, you know, we, we are keeping and we want to take those forward. Um, so, you know, things like our tagline, traditional values, innovative ideas, it's, it's really a link between the past and the future. It's, it's, it's a philosophy that the founders built the business on and, and we're retaining that um, in the brand as, as we go forward. Um, yeah, and our values and personality remain the same. So, you know, while these sort of aesthetics of the brand have been modernized and, and fit for a digital first world and um, all those things that that make up our brand uh, really are still still true to R&B. 
You've also been very much aligned to some really sort of big events in and around Santon. Uh, I'm thinking of Winex uh, that comes to mind. I'm thinking of the Starlight Classics. Uh, these have always been very popular gatherings. And obviously during a pandemic, they've had to sort of take a little bit of a, a backseat and have to be reinvented for the virtual space. But I think once we get to a point again where people can gather, is this still very much part of your strategy going forward with this new brand uh, to, to be aligned to these kind of events? So, yeah, so, uh, you know, client engagement is a huge piece of our strategy and a lot of these big um, events and sponsorships, you know, have really been part of, um, you know, uh, our strategy in terms of engaging with clients. So, you know, I think last year, you know, was challenging and a lot of these um, events moved online for us and, you know, we had to look at new ways of doing things. And I think that's, as we go forward into the future, you know, it's it's really about, you know, what's going to work for our business, for our clients, what's right for the markets, um, and finding new and meaningful ways to to connect with people it doesn't always have to be what we've always done. And so I think really it is about uh, a future, a future view. It's become a very competitive space, the banking space, uh, maybe a little bit different when you're starting to deal with high net worth individuals. But also, once again, there's a lot of players in that in that field. Lucy, how are you differentiating RMB now with this new brand also giving you sort of a, a new wind and maybe some new opportunities to engage with your clients? How do you start differentiating that brand uh, from from everything else that's out there in the market? So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's something, you know, a lot of the the big financial services players are probably all thinking about, you know, there's a lot of parity across the market. And I think brand is something that really gives us a, a point of differentiation. And we've spent a lot of time thinking about that over the, over the last year. And, and, you know, I think there's so many uh, building blocks that within the brand that help us differentiate. So, you know, just the tone and the way we, the way we message ourselves in the market, the way we show up, you know, as employees um, of the organization, the type of events and things that we do, and the little, you know, the little touches that we put out there to make a difference. So, you know, I think all of those are, are ways that help us differentiate in the market. Yeah, and I think we, you know, you know, when I just come back to our tagline, traditional values, innovative ideas, you know, it really is about that link between the past and the future. And um, these, you know, the good values that have stood the test of time and and coupled with the, you know, unlocking innovation for, for clients as we as we go forward. And, I, you know, I think it's that that way that we do business is also a way that that helps us differentiate. You've also been the kind of bank and brand that's managed to really also make use of your real estate. I mean, you've got a great spot in the heart of Santon and uh, you've done such things as uh, a Rhino initiative where you've kind of taken your building and kind of divvied it up and said, look, you know, we're going to raise some funds and put some branding on there and put it towards sort of anti-poaching initiatives. Then uh, I think just during lockdown now, recently you had a a projection on the side of your uh, building uh, that kind of lit up at night, which looked really fantastic. Are these sorts of the things that you feel kind of make you unique and kind of add sort of a flavor, not just to the brand, but also to the stakeholder that you are in the precinct that is Sanson? Yes, absolutely, Alex. I think, you know, those things are so important for us. And um, I'd like to think that they, you know, they contribute to the society and the community in which we live. So, yeah, absolutely. That's a big part of, of, of what we do and how we intend to go forward with, with the brand. 
Well, Lucy Lightfoot, I appreciate the time you've made for us to chat to uh, to you about this new brand and about uh, the new identity that a lot of people will probably see as they come in and out of Santon. And I think as people start coming back to offices or start making their way back into Santon regularly, they'll probably see the, the changes. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for making the time. It's Lucy Lightfoot, Head of Brand at Rand Merchant Bank. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alex. Thanks. Pleasure. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Podcast. So I'm blown away by some of the productions that are coming out of South Africa at the moment. I don't know why I'm saying that because I shouldn't be saying that, but I I am. It's just insane. I mean, the quality of productions that are coming out of South Africa of late are just so good that you start struggling to watch American stuff or anything coming from Europe because I don't know if it's like we can just relate to the stories a bit more or maybe it's just the diversity that we have in our stories. Mnet's been rolling out some great stuff. I mean, we were going with Still Breathing, then we had Inconceivable. Now we've got uh, Lioness, and that's the story that we're going to be talking about uh, today. And to give you a quick summary, uh, it's the story of a woman who loses her children, her lover, and her freedom when she's framed for fraud committed by her husband before his death. And I'm torn in this interview between going into too much detail and uh, like going into little detail, because if you haven't watched the story, you're going to have a total spoiler. And if you have watched the story, you really want to get into the meat of it. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to get into the top line stuff first, and then we'll give you a little spoiler alert so that uh, we can really start digging into this because we're halfway through the show now. I think there's a couple of episodes still left. So it's a good time to kind of recap what's left and uh, to also look at what, what's happened already. But uh, if you're watching this interview on YouTube, let's have a look at the trailer quickly and then let's get into the story of Lioness. Baby, do you want to see some magic? Get out of the car, you're under arrest. What? Put your head oh, back and sit down. Underground. I can get you the gun. Take your children and you do need to get out. I've learned to fight for what is mine. And all three of them are mine. So joining me on the line right now is uh, Shannon Ezra. She is the face of Lioness. And Shannon, first off, unbelievable work on this uh, on this show. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Thank you. I'm very, um, very happy to be here with you today. Well, I must tell you, I know you've been doing this for quite some time, even though you don't look it, but uh, it must be... <laughs> You're very sweet. Uh, you know what? Uh, Got to get them in early. Uh, but uh, the thing is, you've been doing this for some time, but it must be unbelievably mm. exciting having your face on the poster of a show. I mean, the show is basically being it's, sold on your name. It's nuts, dude. It's like every time I see, like I, I was I was in KZN a couple of weeks ago, and as I'm walking out of... The dep- out of arrivals, there was my face on this giant, I mean, giant billboard and two of them. And I just was like, what is happening? What, like, I have friends messaging me, like, they'll be in Cape Town, they'll take a shot of this giant thing. And then they're like, selfie, like, hey, there's my, it's crazy. It's just crazy. 
I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you got into acting for. I mean, you've, you, you're not in acting yeah. because you might get this part piece in some American Hollywood sort of movie. I mean, you're in this because, you know, you want to be that person that sells a movie. You want to be the kind of person that people go, I'm going to watch it because it's a, a Shannon Ezra movie. Like people go and say, I like Liam Neeson. I like whatever, Sylvester Stallone. I'm going to watch the movie irrespective of what the storyline is. I'm sure it'll be good. I mean, it's funny. I never even... I have not even thought about that until you've just said it. I mean, yeah, it would be amazing that, I mean, what an incredible thing for someone to want to watch something because I'm in it. Because I'm like that. When I see a Meryl Streep film, I'm like, I want to see it because it's Meryl. Even if it's terrible, I'll be like, <laughs> but it's Meryl. Or, you know, Nicole Kidman. Or, But did I get into acting for, I mean, I became an actor because it was like breathing. If I didn't do it, I feel like I would cease to exist. So it wasn't about that, but that is a nice, it's a nice thought, a nice sentiment. Well, I have to say, I think I did borrow that idea from Jonathan Rocksmith. I think at one point he did that in an interview and he said, you know, if he can build up a brand to the extent that people watch it because Jonathan's in it. Uh, and I think it's a good thing to aspire, I think, uh, towards uh, as, as actors. So let's get into this Lioness series. Uh, I think you hinted at it when we chatted to you about uh, Still Breathing uh, last year, which was also just such a phenomenal show. And I can't wait for the second season to come out. And uh, I'm also looking forward to an extended uh, season of uh, Lionesses well because what i've seen so far i have a feeling you're not going to finish this off in one season i really hope that there's a second part to this but just talk us through this project like how did it come about how did you get into it uh and and what has it been like to work on a great show like this well um, it, it came about much like any other part does your agent sends you something and says this looks quite cool take a look see how you feel and that was in july of last year so Obviously, things have been so quiet because of COVID and it was just a very, very sad, lonely time on the couch, you know, cooking all day long and just, you know, I did not bake banana bread. I didn't do what everyone, I just, I was like, I'm not doing it. But anyway, so July, this brief came across my desk and it excited me tremendously. And I said, right, let's send a soft tape. And we did. And the process was a little, it was a little long. I was asked to then have a call back and then the call back came with a very specific note, which I applied. And then they wanted another one. And then they asked me to do a screen test with some male actors who were the potential Antons at that stage. And um, when I was there for the screen test, I thought it was between myself and another actress. And they were like, no, it's yours. And I was like, I just basically bent over and started crying. And then I started jumping and there was happiness. And then there was tears again. Cause I cry when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I'm angry. It's terrible. I'm trying to stop all the crying, but there's a lot of crying. And uh, how was it to work on it? It was an absolute dream come true. I was so ready for, I was very ready for that workload. We shot 49 days from start to finish and I shot 47 days and I don't mean like I would just come in for one scene I was there from start to finish you know I was leaving when the units were leaving kind of you know we were like I was ready and I loved it and it was a magical magical time and I hope that I can do it over and over and over and over again. 
Well, we're going to start getting into the, the, the meat of the story a bit. So if you haven't watched the show, I hope that's been enough to entice you to actually get onto DSTV Catch Up or, or maybe to start tuning in on a Thursday night, although you really do have to see the first couple of episodes no, to really get into this. please do not go and tune in now. You're doing yourself a massive disservice. You are you're going to... No, please just go catch up and start from the very beginning. Yeah, very book of a weekend. <laughs> yeah, book of yeah. a weekend. Book get into it. Enjoy it. it. Yeah. Enjoy the show. Absolutely. Great cliffhangers. It's going to leave you wanting more. You'll think your questions are going to be answered and then they kind of answer them. And then you're left with this boom ending. You go, but what? And then you, you know. So binge, go, binge, binge, binge. You've got six episodes, off you go, enjoy. So so this is an incredibly taxing role. I mean, if I look at it from uh, from sitting on a couch watching you do this, I mean, it's a lot of crying, a lot of physical activity, both uh, from an intimate perspective, from a fighting in a prison perspective, from, mm. you know, all these sort of things. I mean, did you have to do any particular training? Did they make you go to some sort of uh, workout routine that you had to go through, some sort of psychological <laughs> debriefing after this role? I mean, it's really, there's a lot going on. Maybe, I don't think a lot of people know this about me, but I'm actually an all-African champion in karate. I won the all-Africa games when I was in standard nine, grade 11 for the millennials, in Carter. So I'm spent many years doing karate so fight training and stuff that's it's in my wheelhouse although I'm, I, I don't consider myself a fighter um I'm quite a pacifist actually um but it was very physical but I'll be honest it didn't deplete me at all in fact the role was surprisingly invigorating and it it gave me um a, like a life injection I, I don't know I mean still breathing nearly broke me that nearly broke me. And I only shot 23 days on still breathing. And not all of them were like, you know, 12 hour days. Sometimes you'd be in for just a few hours. I would come home after being in Candace's shoes, quite literally, and I wouldn't be able to talk. Whereas with Lioness, it's like, just like, I don't know, it just like fed me. It's mind boggling. Do you think it's also got something to do with the fact that when you're playing the part in Lioness, you're actually a woman out to prove the fact that you're innocent. Whereas in Still Breathing, you were the one who was actually doing everyone wrong. So you actually had no foot to stand on, really. It definitely stemmed from a place of, um, Candace was holding this horrific secret. Horrific, what she did to her friend. Horrific! And Sam was like, no, I didn't do this. I'm going to prove myself right. I'm going to show you all. I need to prove to my children. So the one was very depleting and the one was very, just contributed a lot to me energetically. So Anton, who plays the detective who's uh, sort of on your trail, who's trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. And, and yes, sort of, the lovely, the lovely, gentle Gerald Stone. Yes. Did you have some sort of say as to who that person is? Or is it a call no. by the director to say, this is where the chemistry is? This is going to work because you guys share some very intense moments. And I mean, to have to be able to do that with somebody that you don't get along with. I mean, I can't imagine. I have had that once in my life, very early on in my career. And you know what? The chemistry was pretty electric, even though we didn't really vibe on screen at work. So it's it's an interesting thing what does and doesn't happen on screen, even if you do like someone or not. I adore Gerald. I think he's just the cutest sweetie pie on the planet. 
Um, I could not have been in more respectful hands. Man, intimacy stuff is so weird. It's such a weird part of our job. It's weird. It's really my least favorite thing about being an actor. But I guess these are the so things weird. that you, you sign up for. I mean, I, I suppose this is probably something that they you highlight this is the right job. up front, this is right? The job and you get over it. You get over it. It can be very tough for partners. So, you know, for any future partner that I may meet in my life, if this is something that you're not comfortable with, don't bother because this is my work and my work is as important to me as my family and my friends and the things that I'm passionate about. So yeah, you have to really be okay with it. My brother and I often talk about, you know, he'll say to me that he could just never be with an actor, that he would just never be okay with it. And I have such respect for that, but there's some people who can be, I mean, I have had partners in the past that have been like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. Uh, you know, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's a weird thing. You don't, it's not you. You're just the vessel. You're just the conduit. You're just telling a story. And if the story is a love story, then you've got you to just do it. You have to honor the character and you have to honor the story as best you can. And if you come in from a place of discomfort, you're doing yourself and the story such an injustice. So as a cast, you seem to gel unbelievably well. It all seems to sort of flow yeah. very naturally. And they always say the people that make things look the easiest are probably really good at what they do. Did you guys have any chance to sort of have sort of almost like a boot camp or sort of like a pre-connection time before you started shooting? Or did you just literally walk on set and you went, these are your kids, this is your husband that's about to, to die. Uh, here's, uh, you know, the, the entire family and here we go. So the wonderful thing is, is that we actually did get two days uh, where we were at the Hugo home in Melrose and they were doing camera tests and we were doing makeup tests and we were going through wardrobe. And so we basically had two eight hour days and we're just doing like, you know, some, some improv work in front of the camera with other, with other actors, um, you know, not not like saying lines, but kind of like speaking out feelings, which Joshua and, and Monet facilitated our directors so we did have those two days and I must say they were, they were, they were really valuable. I reached out to Jazara because she plays the older and younger Miranda and, and there was history there. And I, I did want to meet up with her to like chat with her before we started shooting. But unfortunately I just, I actually didn't have the capacity. I, I had just become so overwhelmed with the amount of work I actually needed to do that I didn't meet up with her. But I, I did make a conscious decision that I didn't really want to spend too much time with Aviana and Joshua Edie beforehand, because given the nature of the relationship in 2020, um, but the, those little short spurts were, they were very special. And now I, I get to see Aviana, you know, we go for, we go for cake and coffee with her mom, her real mom. And, you know, I, Joshua Edie's become a very dear and special friend of mine. So um, I must say we, we really all do like each other very much. So it's, yeah, it's special. And I think those things always come across on screen if there's sort of a natural sort of uh, synergy between the actors and if they, they genuinely actually do get along, you know, having, yeah. having not been in a position like this before, uh, I take it. it. It must be quite 
challenging to try and put yourself into those shoes because when I mean as the as the title says lioness I mean I was watching a lioness uh, last year December when we were in the Sabi Sands uh, protecting one of her cubs against a, a hyena who had gotten a little bit too close and it was getting a little bit uh, uh, dicey and at some point this lioness just got up she went straight for this hyena who thought she was going to stop at some point and she actually didn't and uh, she was a little bit closer than she needed to be to just wipe this hyena out with one paw. And you could just see the power that comes out of an African female lioness. Now to embody that as, you know, someone who has to now be a mother, a widow, someone who's been done wrong. I mean, how do you put yourself into those shoes if in most cases you wouldn't have really ever had to experience this yourself in real life? I think the imagination is a very, very powerful thing. You know, if you, if there's an amazing scientific experiment where if you had to hook your brain up to um, like a scanner or, you know, those things, your brainwave. So if I'm sitting on a chair and someone says to me, tell me how the chair feels, my brain will register things in a certain way. Now, if I'm not on the chair, if I'm standing and I am asked the same questions, but to imagine myself in the chair, my brain will read exactly the same as it did when I was actually in the chair. So there's very little difference between reality and imagination. It's just a matter of touch, okay? But you speak of the lioness with her cub and the hyena, and I actually spent quite a bit of time watching animal videos for Sam. I based her on an octopus and a lioness. Um, Octopus in 2012 and 2020, there was just a certain movement that I liked about the octopus for her 2012 physical being. But, and I loved how um, octopus are just the most incredible survivalists uh, and they can camouflage themselves and protect themselves. I mean, obviously I was in the, the, the midst of watching my octopus teacher. So that film had a profound impact on Sam and the decisions I made, but also uh, definitely lionesses. And, you know, the lion gets a lot more credit because it's not the lion who protects it, it's the lioness. The lion actually quite lazy. He sits around, the lioness goes and she hunts and she brings the food and then he's like, oh, move over, I'm hungry. And she sits and she waits, you know. So nature was an incredibly um, amazing inspiration for, for Sam. And I'm, uh, I'm quite a protective person if someone's going to hurt someone that I love, I can imagine going to a realm that she does. You know, you never, you never know until you're actually in it. It's all about probability and possibility. And you just play with those ideas and you, you know, you try something new in every take and you see what, uh, what sticks. So the woman's prison scene is also one of those, uh, sort of scenes that comes up quite often that we we also never really get to see i suppose as as sort of everyday sort of citizens we never really have to see the inside of a woman's prison never mind having to live in it where was it shot how did you put that together did you have anybody who's ever lived in a woman's prison give you some sort of insight into how this thing works no so i mean i wish sadly there just was not enough time uh if we'd had a little bit more time before shooting i would have definitely tried to reach out to someone who had been incarcerated but we shot it at the johannesburg magistrates in the holding cells um below the courts and i gotta tell you it's pretty authentic and it's pretty disgusting i mean we'd rock up in the morning and there was feces blood urine vomit i mean it was um it took 
two days to get the smell out of my nose because we shot there for two days. It was not, it was not pretty. So just actually being in that environment, it was, it was enough. It was pretty wild. Of course, they sanitized everything and they tried to clean as best they could. But they, you didn't have to do too much imagining. I mean, there's literally like blood on the walls, like people like, I mean, it was, it was wild. What is still in store and is there talks of a second season? <laughs> what is in store? Samantha's gonna scorch the earth. That's what's in store. Scorched earth, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, and is there talk of season two? Yes, there is. That's all I can say. Well, good for you. I think that's great. I mean, I think it's a well-deserved show. I think it really deserves a second Thank season. You. And it's it's such a great watch. And if you haven't watched it, it's Lioness. It's on Mnet. And like we said, if you haven't started watching it yet, go on to catch up, start with episode one, and then watch it chronologically because it just gets better and better. It's like a good bottle of wine. It, it go, gets better with age. So as you oh, kind yeah. of get into it, like it just, uh, I mean, you just can't, you can't stop watching. And this is the great thing about some of these South African productions that we've been treated to over the last... I don't know, it just feels like it's just been like the last three, five years. And the content, the content is just getting better and better. It is just so encouraging. It's so wonderful to be a part of, of this time in South African TV and film. It's a wonderful thing, really. Shannon Israel, it's been so great having you on and to chat about this fantastic show. And yeah. I wish you all the best and congratulations on it. Thank you so and, much. Thank uh, you. And enjoy Thursday's episode. It's a doozy. You'll like it. This is the Santin Times Podcast. Follow us on social media. Yeah, there you go. Tweet, tweet. Uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on social media. And if you don't want to follow us on social media or get in touch on social media, you can email us, editor at santantimes.co.za. Don't be shy. Use the email address. Get in touch. Be great to hear from you. You can also connect with us on social media at Santantimes, uh, wherever you prefer, as mentioned. And also the website, www.santantimes.co.za. You can subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating for this podcast as we bring this episode to a close. And thank you once again for listening wherever you are. It's you and me every week, man. We just catch up. We bring you great interviews and stories and stuff you need to know about Santon and sometimes stuff you don't need to know about Santon. Maybe it's not even in Santon. It's anywhere in South Africa or in the world. We just put it into this podcast and you get to listen to it. So thank you to you. Thank you to all my guests for this week and especially those business leaders who've made the time to speak to the Santon Nation. I mean, to speak to their constituents, their, you know, people who buy their stuff. Can I tell you, I often get rejection letters from CEOs or managing directors who are too busy. I don't know what it is that they're doing. Very busy, very important. And they don't have 10 minutes. They don't even have five minutes just to catch up, chat about something, especially people who are stakeholders in the Santon district uh, and, and greater Santon. Anyway, they're too busy. Uh, to those who have made an effort to, to chat to us on a regular basis, good for you. Thumbs up. Absolute winners. We're halfway through March 2021, so uh, April is around the corner, and so is Easter. Can you believe it? I see the chocolates are piling up at the supermarkets, but uh, let's go out there. Let's smash March. Let's make the best out of it. I feel the energy is getting better in the economy. I think we're getting somewhere, slowly but surely. Vaccines are rolling out. We're getting our jabs going, and I think people are opening up a little bit. And, geez, I mean, we've had some really tragic news of some really 
horrible, horrible passings during this entire COVID-19 phase. Well-known people, people we often, a lot of us don't even know, like neighbors, friends, family. So let's just make sure that everyone just stays healthy, stays safe, and let's just get through the rest of this year and just get out of this pandemic as soon as possible. Thank you for listening, and let's connect again next week.